This is Take a Cue, Season 2, Episode 8. One, two, three, four. Welcome to Season 2 of Take a Cue. I'm Eric Dunno, 8th grade band and jazz band director. And I'm Jen Wise, 4th and 5th grade instrumental music teacher. We're two veteran educators with over 35 years of experience teaching music in New Jersey public schools between the two of us. And we're excited to bring teaching experiences and insights to you. So excited. Whether you're just starting out in your teaching career or you've been teaching longer than we have, this show will help you grow with new ideas and perspectives about music education and teaching. We hope you'll be just as inspired as we are every time you listen. Before we begin, if you enjoy our podcast, please help us out by doing a few super easy things. First, subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Then make sure you rate the podcast and leave a review. It helps people find our show who haven't yet, and we really appreciate it. If you find that you get a lot out of our episodes, we'd be grateful if you considered becoming a monthly supporter to help us grow the podcast. You can sign up to make a secure monthly payment using the link in our show notes or on our Spotify for Podcasters site. Also, if you have questions or comments about anything you hear on the episode, come and interact with us on social media. We're Take a Cue Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Hey, Jen. Hi, Eric. I'm excited for today's episode and for the next few episodes. um, I'm going to sort of take a back seat on this one and uh, pretend to be a guest. So, Jen, take it away. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Please welcome our special guest and saxophone specialist, Eric Dono. (laughs) I know, right? Oh, this is going to be so much fun. uh, Yeah, today we're going to talk about the first lesson for your saxophone players with Eric. And this is the start of a very exciting series for us, a series of first lesson introductions we're going to talk about the first lesson on each instrument starting with the woodwinds starting with uh the saxophone with with eric and um you'll get to hear from specialists on every instrument and uh hopefully you'll get you know some some new tips and tricks for your beginners and beyond um from this one and also hopefully um I'll be able to put out a nice case study on our podcast to complete my master's. <laughs> so uh, this is this is a, a, a big one. This is you know um, we've we've got a lot of good things coming your way, and and uh, we're we're working really hard to bring it to you. And I think this is a great way to start because um, Eric's got some amazing playing and teaching experience on the on the saxophone, and and he's got a lot to share. So um, well, it's very kind of you, Jen. Um, yeah. I'll do my best. Okay. <laughs> and I'm sure to um, create lots of controversy uh, because mm. if there's one thing saxophonists can agree on, it's that we can't agree on anything. I'm sure there's things I'm going to forget. I haven't taught beginners in a long time. And uh, I actually went through our show notes and I was making copious notes about like, how do you set it up? Because it's just something I don't even really go over too much anymore. Do you want me to just yeah. get in, go into it? I think I think you should. I think you should just dive in. Sure. Because, yeah. Okay, so I have my saxophone here, and I will say if you're listening on Spotify and you really want to get the full or your favorite podcast app, where, of course, you've rated us five stars and left a review um, and subscribed, if you want to get the full picture here, uh, head on over to YouTube and watch, because I'm going to be doing some uh, demonstrating that you can see better on camera, because you can't see it on a regular podcast. So um, if this is of interest to you, feel free to hop on over to uh, YouTube and check this out. So I was trying to think about just a, a few little things here as an introduction, just you know, for the beginner um, 
saxophonist and maybe the newer educator, especially if they're not a reed player to begin with. Um, you know, what's nice about the sax is it, it was developed later in, than many other instruments. And so it kind of, Adolf Sax, the inventor, had the benefit of knowing what worked with other instruments and what didn't. So he was able to create an instrument that honestly, technically, is pretty easy compared to some of the other instruments, other woodwinds and things like that, because, um, you know, it, it follows a lot of the same fingering patterns that you might get on the recorder or on the clarinet or things like that. But, um, but yeah, it, the hard part about the saxophone is to get a great sound out of it. Uh, and so you hear a lot of uh, beginners that, uh, you know, sound like either like ducks, um, really loud, or you have beginners that get such quiet sound that if you didn't watch them, you wouldn't know they were playing at all. So I think it's I really tell, important to focus on sound um, I get right that. away. I tell my beginners that all the time. I'm like, you're going to get a sound. But the tough part about when you pick the saxophone is getting a good sound. And that's yeah. going to take some work. I, I tell yeah. them that in the very first lesson also. So a couple of reminders that I often remind my kids uh, to make sure that we get off on the right foot. And by the way, Jen, I love what you do when it comes to what do you do before the kids even come in and touch their instruments. Okay. It's fabulous. If you can go through and grease all those corks, open up at least the first reed and have it ready to go in that plastic reed case or even better, like a multi-reed case like this. I don't know, most of, most beginners don't come in with these, but, um, but they're great. Uh, so I love that you do that with the elementary kids. So I'm gonna assume that all that is kind of done and, and we're ready to go because um, there's always minimal time in that first lesson. Um, one thing I remember, I remind the kids, is that the handle side of the case is always down on the floor. The handle's always the bottom. So sometimes they put it on the floor upside down and they don't realize it, um, depending on what the case looks like. So the side with the handle goes down on the floor and it's always on the floor, never on the lap. Um, I always remind them that when they're taking the reed out, always handle the reed by the heel, which is the thick part at the bottom and never by the tip because the tip is the most fragile part of the reed. And um, whenever we put our instruments together, we're always going to go the smallest part of the instrument to the largest. And I'll explain why as we go through it. Um, but um, yeah, so some people say that you must soak your reed only in water. Who's got time for that? I've been playing for 35 years and I still wet my reed just in my mouth <laughs> when I'm getting ready. Uh -huh. um, but I always tell my kids put on the neck strap first. So I'm going to do that. That way their saxophone doesn't like roll away from them as they're playing. The first thing we're going to do is put the mouthpiece onto the neck. Um, I usually say about three quarters of the way down the cork. Now all the corks are different, um, you know, different lengths. Mine here is a little over an inch. Um, so I'm going to put it on till there's about, you know, a little, little bit all over than a quarter of an inch. My mouthpiece is weird too, because it's, it's at an angle. So the top is farther than the bottom, but, um, so about three quarters of the way and twisting back and forth. Hopefully they've got a cork that's well greased. So it's not all that easy, uh, not all that hard to do. Um, next we're going to put the ligature over the mouthpiece. Now this is where some people say, you know, put the reed on first. I like to put the, the the ligature on first. Now your your ligature for your kids is probably um, a student ligature, so their screws are going to be on the bottom and on the right, um, not on the top and not on the left. <laughs> so I always tell them make sure that your your screws are on the bottom on the right. Mine's on the top. Okay. Then take the reed and slide it heel first. Here I'll do it. Turn around here, heel first between the mouthpiece and the ligature. That way, they're not shoving the tip of the, the reed up 
through the ligature, which is a great way to break that ligature, uh, break the read before they even get a chance to make a sound. So once they've got that, they're going to want to center it um, on either side of the mouthpiece. Let's see. So like right now, mine's a little off center. So I'm going to turn it around. I'm going to get it centered. And this is also another little source of contention from some people. But I always say tip of the mouthpiece, tip of the reed. Uh-huh. Some people say it should be a little below. I've never met anybody who says it should be above. <laughs> right. But um, <laughs> Let's see if okay. I can get a little focus on the camera there. So tip of the mouthpiece, tip of the reed. And you don't want to do it while you're like pressing the reed like this because that can create um, you know other issues. So we're going to put it there. And some people say don't over-tighten the reed, over-tighten the, over the ligature. Uh, honestly, I've never really met a reed um, that I've over-tightened and then it like stopped playing well. Okay. Um, I want to make sure that that reed is tight on there and that reed is not going to move when I'm moving the mouthpiece uh, around. Again, that's some personal preference, but I always say the kids aren't going to over tighten. If anything, they're going to under tighten and they're going to, the moment they go to move something, the reed is going to move. So mm. tighten up that ligature as best you can. Okay. Um, the ligature, by the way, should be, now my mouthpiece is a strange shape, um, but the ligature should be halfway between where the beak ends and the back of the mouthpiece begins. Usually there's a little lip right here on either side so that ligature should be halfway mine's a little different because it's a it's a different mouthpiece but um so it should be about halfway a lot of times kids have that ligature too far up it chokes the reed they don't get a good sound uh-huh. so that's really important um so tighten the re- tighten the screws now we take the neck and the body got my body here take the mouthpiece cap don't lose this this is really important people don't think this is important this stops your your saxophone from shaking in the case going to take the neck and put it into the body and of course put our neck strap uh, attach it to our neck strap now the reason that we do it this way and not from body first is because a lot of times what kids will do is they'll put their mouthpiece on last and as they're cranking on to the cork they're pulling the neck down and over time the angle of the neck is going to bend down and they're going to get a crease here in the neck so that's called neck pull down. And that's something we really don't want on the saxophone. It's not, you know, if that happens, the repair person can unbend it. But we always want to go smallest to largest. It's also way easier um, to kind of handle the reed and the mouthpiece if it's on the neck uh, as mm-hmm. opposed to just sitting there by itself because it, it just gives you more to handle. And then you can just easily put it onto the body of the saxophone. Yeah. Um, so that's how I teach them to put it together. So again, smallest to largest, center the reed, tip to tip, and uh, tighten down that ligature. Ligature shouldn't be too far up on the mouthpiece or too far back mm-hmm. on the mouthpiece. Jen, any questions or um, or things to add before we get into like making the first sound? Hmm. Uh, my only question uh, is to like, you said, okay, tighten, just tighten up those screws and everything. Mm-hmm. You know, I like, I sometimes oh, I'll, speaking of tightening screws, yeah. they should also tighten the next screw. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> that helps. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I was going to say like, I, I just, sometimes I have kids that just aren't tightening it, you know, yeah. enough. And, and I'm always like, I'm always like, God, oh, I need the right words to like, you know, give them to tell them, like, just to tell them how to, how tight to do it. And, um, the answer is as tight as they can go. Okay. They're not going to over tighten it. An Uh adult might over tighten it perhaps, but a kid's Uh not going to do that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And like, you know, screws bottom to the right. That makes, that makes, you know, that makes sense. Yeah. No, that's great. Now my beginners, like what kind of read are they putting on there? Is it a two? Is it a two and a half? Is it good? I'm glad you asked. I start on two and a half. 
Okay. Oftentimes the read that comes with the saxophone will be a one and a half or a two. Yeah. Um, don't start them on one and a half. If it's a one and a half, throw it away. Um, yeah. There's no no kid that should be starting on a one and a half. Yeah. Twos are often, I guess it depends on the kid, um, but I try to get my kids on two and a halves mm-hmm. um, because it, it helps them strengthen their embouchure muscles and will get them to make a nicer sound uh, more quickly. Uh, I, I mean, I shouldn't say that. A two might make the nice sound right away, but quickly it's going to be too soft. Okay. You know, within yeah. a couple of weeks, it's probably going to be too soft of a read for them to be playing on. Um, mm-hmm. So I go for two and a halves. Again, okay. come at me on Facebook or Instagram or, um, you know, if, if our listeners out there disagree, but I like to get them on two and a halves. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I'm glad you it. asked. Also, the mouthpieces that come with the saxophone sometimes are terrible. And mm-hmm. uh, it depends on the brand. If you have a nice Yamaha or a Selmer or a Jupiter, those horns are going to have decent student mouthpieces with them. If not, if it's some you know um, random brand that they got from some online giant store... Uh, they're going to want to get a new mouthpiece very quickly, uh, ASAP. Uh, and I can tell you that there are a couple really good ones out there for kids. Uh, first off, the Yamaha 4C Alta mouthpieces are great. I don't know what they run, but they're not all that expensive. Right. The Hype Premier, Premier, the Hype Premier. Uh, is, yeah. is a good uh, good student mouthpiece. Um, mm-hmm. That'll you know get them good sounds. You know, you want for for first for beginners, especially in a band program. We want them to have a nice, full, rich sound. We don't really want that super buzzy, jazzy sound in a concert band. Um, If they're just learning jazz for a private teacher, that's a different story. But we want them to get a nice, round, rich sound that's going to blend well. And so those kinds of mouthpieces will help. Let's go on to the the tone part of this. Now, they don't have to have the saxophone together to make to start learning about the embouchure. As a matter of fact, it's probably easier if they don't. So I'm going to take my saxophone back apart. But that was kind of just how to put it together because mm-hmm. um, they're going to want to play it. At least they know how to put it together when they go home and they like want to start squawking on it. I can tell you, I put my saxophone together before I ever started with my teacher, and I just started oh, yeah. playing all random Ooh. stuff completely oh, wrong. Oh, no, that bad. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to wet my reed here real fast. We can okay. We can cut this out. Or you can tell mm-hmm. us, do you wet all the way down through the butt of the reed or yeah okay so when it comes to wetting the reed it's important that the whole reed gets wet from the heel all the way to the tip and that's because when it gets wet it expands and when it expands um if it's expanding evenly it's going to stay flat on the mouthpiece the table if it's not completely wet and only wet on the front half you start to get some issues where the flat uh, where the, the reed doesn't sit properly on the mouthpiece, and you could start to get some squeaks. So I always recommend, if you can't fit the whole reed in your mouth, wet the tip, turn it around, wet the heel, and then um, and then you've got it. Now, as far as the, uh, let's talk embouchure. So this is probably the biggest uh, con- bone of contention among saxophone players. So I'm a classical saxophonist. I do play jazz, and uh, I do play with a jazz sound, and have a. I think I have a pretty nice jazz sound. But, um, but for concert band, we're going to want to focus on that nice classical sound and nice classical embouchure. Believe it or not, my embouchure does change when I'm playing classical versus jazz. And again, that's a bone of contention. Some people may disagree and say you should <laughs> use the exact same setup and the exact same embouchure for everything. Um, I don't. So anyway, so the, here's how we um, here's how I describe the embouchure, and that is um, it's like you have a rubber band, and it is evenly and circularly 
um, kind of like closing around the mouthpiece. So um, some people say it's just flat top and bottom. Sometimes it's a little bit more of a jazz style. But um, so first thing we're going to do is we're going to take our mouthpiece and we're going to put it on our top. They're going to put it underneath our top teeth like that. We're going to anchor the teeth on the mouthpiece. We don't want to use a double embouchure, which is where the um, the lips are 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 cushioning the top and the bottom teeth. We want the teeth on top. I know, Jen, you talked about mouthpiece uh, patches when we talked about like setting up for September. Yeah. It's a really good idea if you don't have mouthpiece patches for your reed players to get those. Um, sometimes the kids just don't like the feel of the teeth on the top of the mouthpiece, mm-hmm. and they're not going to get a good sound. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. I budget for those now, too. A bunch. Yeah. No, yeah. it's a good idea to have them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, so we put the mouthpiece on our top teeth, and our bottom teeth, we pull our lip over our bottom teeth. It's a cushion. It's as if we're biting into the mouthpiece like this. Here, I'll turn to the side. Except if we did that, we get the squeak sound. And, you know, a lot of the kids like to make that sound. So anyway, we put our bottom lip in between our teeth and the mouthpiece and the reed so that we have a nice cushion. So we have this and we have this. And then we want to pull the mouth, uh, the, uh, the lips around like a rubber band. Now we should be, there should be a little bit of pressure from the bottom jaw, a little bit of biting into that mouthpiece. Uh, in, sorry, a little bit of biting into, uh, into the reed. Just enough to keep air from escaping and to control the sound of the reed. We don't want to bite so much that we're hurting ourselves, but we have to, otherwise we get a really flat, ugly sound, and we don't want that. Um, now, as far as how much mouthpiece, it depends on the mouthpiece. It depends on where the reed breaks away from the mouthpiece. For beginners, I just always tell them, like, I don't know, I always kind of show them, like, okay, like, uh, you know, quarter of an inch. I, I, like, or, you know, a, a little more than a quarter of an inch. It's hard to explain that to a beginner on the first day. Well, we want to have enough mouthpiece in. If they start squeaking and squawking, they've got too much. If they sound like they're subtoning, they're getting too little. So somewhere in between. It's a little bit of trial and error. Um, but anyway, so we have that there. And then we take a big breath in. We keep the teeth on, a, on the mouthpiece on the top. We set our embouchure first. And then we blow into the mouthpiece. Um, so again, breathe first, then set the embouchure, then play. The sooner they can get into that, the better they're going to be. A lot of times kids will try to breathe and then set and play at the exact same time. And they get... Yeah. They don't get a nice sound to begin with. So we want to breathe, then set the embouchure, then play. We want to get them tonguing as soon as they get a good sound on the mouthpiece and on the instrument, even before they've touched the rest of the instrument. Uh Um, Tonguing on the saxophone should be like tonguing on any other reed instrument. We want to start with the tongue on the reed, tip of the tongue, tip of the reed. And then we want to start, as soon as we start blowing into the instrument, we take the tongue away. And we get a nice tongued sound. It's the same as any other reed instrument. You're going to do that on clarinet and you're going to do that on oboe. Get them tonguing as soon as possible so they get in the habit of starting each note with a good tongue sound. Um, so that's the first sound that we make on the saxophone. Um, Jen, questions, comments, additions? I, I do have a question because I want you to tell me if, I, if the like words I'm using are a little bit problematic. So like... I I 
all the way up until how you tell them to close their lips around the mouthpiece, I, mm-hmm. I say the exact same things. And then, but when I when I say I say like wrap your lips around like you're saying Lou. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and or like I talk about those like you know those like drawstring backpacks, yeah. How they like close around. I I I use that image. Is is anything problematic with that? Is that okay? No, not at all. As okay. long as they're not saying Lou like with a smile, like, like with their yeah, with their corners no. out, it should be Lou, Lou. like Lou. Yeah, Lou. I say like Lou. Yeah, yeah. It should so, definitely yeah. be a very circular embouchure. Okay, okay. Yeah, but yeah, I love the I drawstring that, like, um, uh, and analogy. That's great. So, and then my other question was, like, when we have the mouthpiece uh, attached to the gooseneck and we're, mm-hmm. we're trying to make sure that, you know, everything's firm enough and sealed and everything, what pitch should be coming out of the mouthpiece on the gooseneck? Okay, so it, it's a little different, I guess, from person to person. Um, when, uh, when I'm playing my mouthpiece on the neck, I'm getting an A-flat, a concert okay. A-flat, and this is alto. Um, tenor, I honestly haven't played a lot with my tenor neck in so long, but I'm seeing mm-hmm. people say E um, as a possibility there for tenor. Um, but okay. anyway, A-flat is, um, is the note that I shoot for. Okay. Um, now you may get a little bit, you know, necks are a slightly different length, so you may have some some wiggle room there, and and that's something not to get too um, crazy with on the first lesson. Yeah. Uh, but we do want to build their embouchures and make sure that they're not playing super flat or biting okay. really hard and playing super sharp. Um, yeah, those two things are are not good. If it's really like a natural or even like above a, if it's like B flat, um, mm-hmm. you know, that may mean that they're biting uh, okay. on that mouthpiece, and we don't want that. That's no good. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. So that's like how I get my first sound with my beginners before we ever even put the instrument together. Um, and then once we put the instrument together, just a couple things that I remind them of, and, and then it, and then you're off to the races, really. Um, I'm going to go over it here on my sax. Hold on. I'm going to get my, my the body back here. Okay. So for beginners, unless they're like freakishly tall, I'm, I've never met a beginner who should do this, um, they should be playing on the right side of their, their leg. Um, okay. They don't want... I play in the center. When your torso is long enough, playing in the center is okay um, and actually may be desirable. Uh, but for beginners, they should be playing on the right side of their leg. And the saxophone should be at an angle, but the mouthpiece should not. I can't tell you how many kids come in, and if oh you're um, a band director of a certain age, you'll get this. They look like they need their V8. Uh, uh-huh. Because they're they're sideways when they play. <laughs> yeah. um, nothing bothers me more than seeing a saxophonist like this when mm-hmm. they're playing with their head to the side. There's a reason the mouthpiece is not um, connected to the instrument permanently, and that's so you can turn the mouthpiece. So the sax sure. one's at an angle. The head should still be straight up and down. The angle of the neck and the mouthpiece should be almost straight into the mouth. It is not a clarinet embouchure. Um, so nobody should be playing with their mouthpiece coming from below Uh and the back like the bow of their saxophone like kind of jutting out to the back we want them having a nice you know even uh, almost straight in uh, um, angle on that mouthpiece and the other thing that I see some kids do is sometimes if their chin is up high that means their neck strap is too tight Uh and conversely if they're like looking over their glasses um, you know, like an angry librarian, then their neck strap is too loose. So just help them find exactly where that is. And that, that may take a few times for them to get used to it, but they should be sitting up straight. Their head should be straight ahead, not angled to one side or the other. And the saxophone should just come to meet them. They shouldn't have the weight of the saxophone on their hands. They should have the weight of the saxophone on their neck strap. Okay. Um, yeah. 
So that's that's kind of how we go about holding. Now, when it comes to actually holding the saxophone, I'll just do a quick little thing here. Um, you want your hands to be like a C. Um, their finger pads, I don't want to say fingertips, um, but the pads of their fingers should be in the pearls of the saxophone. And their thumb here should be on the thumb rest with just enough overlapping the thumb rest to hit the octave key. Some kids put their like knuckle on the thumb rest and then have this giant floppy thumb. We don't want that. Yeah. <laughs> and Not now on okay. the right, now what I really get into when it gets into thumbs, I still see some problems with this in eighth grade. I'm going to hold up my sax here for those people on YouTube, and I'm going to turn it around here. I see a lot of kids do this when they mm. play. Yeah. They have the thumb hook almost at their first knuckle, um, and then their claw is playing the, the keys like this, mm -hmm. and they're playing like this. Uh, if you're on YouTube, you can see that my hurts. hand is a claw. Just watching you. Yeah, it's so tense. But I have kids mm -hmm. who do that, and then they like have problems where they hit the B flat key where they don't want, where they don't mean to, and they just have a lot of tension. So yeah. the the thumb hook, I say, should be right where the thumb nail meets the thumb, goes inside the thumb, like here. Okay. So the 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 thumb hook should be right over that spot. Mm -hmm. It's hard for me to do this in the camera so that there's some space yeah. in their right hand between the saxophone and their hand because <laughs> otherwise they're getting all this kind of crazy tension. Right. Um, it should feel very natural when they play. Mm -hmm. It shouldn't. There should be no real tension in the fingers. The saxophone is a very ergonomic instrument. It should just feel very natural. No tension. Let the saxophone just kind of come to you. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So when we're done with our lesson... Uh, yeah, dude. What do you do? We swab it out. We just throw it back in the case. We how often? <laughs> what should we do is the question. Right. I, <laughs> I'll yeah. tell you what my kids do, uh -huh. um, but it's not always what they should. So we need to pull through a swab. Now, notice I didn't say use the fuzzy shove it kind of swabs. Those are the worst. Don't use them unless they're gonna they're gonna shove it and then keep it out of the case because all that does is that pulls the moisture from the keys and the pads and keeps it in the instrument in the nice dark case and so that's a very nice recipe for some mildew or mold growth and it's really no good um, mm -hmm. so we want a kind of pull through swab that's going to pull this the moisture out of the instrument I like to use this the silk ones because they slide there very easily. They don't get caught in the instrument. The kinds that are like chamois with the um, the spongy circles on them are okay, but they can get caught on the octave key pip. That's the little part that sticks into the body. And um, so, yeah, we don't want to use those either. Um, I always I tell my kids to get the um, uh, the, the silk swabs mm -hmm. for the saxophone. And you can pull it through the body. You can pull it through the neck. And contrary to popular belief, you can pull them through the mouthpiece as well. There are people out there who will argue with me and say that when you pull them through the mouthpiece, over time, that's changing the bore of the mouthpiece. So it won't sound the same. You know what really changes the bore? When they don't swab the mouthpiece and there's a whole bunch of solid gunk in the mouthpiece. Yeah, totally. Yeah. If so, I swab anything, it's the mouthpiece. So. Yeah, no, they should definitely swab the mouthpiece, just the same as the rest of the instrument. And, you know, the kids are playing on $20 plastic mouthpieces anyway. They're not going to worry right. about the bore of the yeah. mouthpiece changing. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Um, but, yeah, they should definitely swab everything. Um, and then take it apart the same way that you put it together, but backwards. So, largest piece, the body goes first, then the neck, then the mouthpiece. Always take the reed off. I think everybody listening knows that. Don't leave mm -hmm. the reed on the mouthpiece. <laughs> yeah. 
and uh, and put it back in the little reed case. Ideally, they have one of those multiple reed cases, but you know the little plastic one works. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. kind of like the first lesson: how to put it together, how to make a sound, and how to hold it. Oh. Questions, comments, thoughts? Anything that I said that I'm like totally off on? You're not totally off on on anything, but I do teach, I do start a my butt. kids in the oh, but I do start my kids in the center. We don't sit. We don't fit on the stage. If I have like sixteen mm. flutes with their elbows up and five trombones, and you know, and then saxophones that also need that extra um, space on their right side. Yeah. Most of their torsos are too short okay. to be able to do that and not have a lot of tension in their right hand. Mm. So when you're doing that, you end up with more of an angle like this as they're trying to put their hand down past their legs. Okay. To be able to play, and yeah. they've got this this angle here on their on their wrist, and we don't want that because that's going to cause a lot of tension. So, okay. if at all possible, I would I would start them on the right side because that's going to okay. just allow them to be much more relaxed in the right hand. Okay. All right. Maybe I'll 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 give it a little bit after winter break, and I'll <laughs> you know it's I'll, it is it is true you know it, it, and uh, things that like I deal with too because I'm I'm squashed in my bedroom and my saxes never have enough room. Uh-huh. Um, but really saxes do need space to their right so that they can have that instrument off to the right. Uh-huh. It's rare that you find a kid with a long enough torso that their arm just sits straight. Oftentimes they have to reach down through their legs well, that's, yeah, <clears throat> to be that, able to play the right hand. Right. Yeah. So um, a couple resources for our listeners uh, yeah. that Jen had asked me about before we started recording. Um, there's a great YouTube channel. There's a lot of YouTube channels out there focused on jazz. And mm-hmm. um, and even ones that focus on jazz and still give you classical advice, I wouldn't trust most of them. Um, but I will say there's a great one out there called Saxophone Academy. And it's okay. um, run by Dr. Wally Wallace, which is a funny name. Um, but he's actually got like legit um, classical and jazz cred. So um, he's definitely one to take a look at. And, um, you know, he does a lot of jazz, but he also does a lot of classical. So he's one to check out. Also, okay. as far as method books, the um, Standard of Excellence and a lot of the other band methods are okay. I mm-hmm. think they have kids playing D way too soon. So they start usually with B, A, and G, which is where I would start a kid. But I really wouldn't go above C until they've gone, you know, had a good octave worth of uh, of notes, or at least down, you know, down to F, E, and D, uh, okay. low D. I know sometimes yeah. that the books, and correct me if I'm wrong, Jen, but don't they go like B, A, G, then they have C, then they have D? Yes. Yeah, yep. above it. Gosh, they're still learning to juggle this really heavy instrument. For a beginner, it's a heavy instrument. Yeah. And all of a sudden, yeah, you're like- going from one finger to all the fingers and back. I really right. wish that they didn't do that. So if, yeah. if your kids are like not learning for a band method, the time-tested Rubank method is mm-hmm. a great one. I get that. And I, I find myself at that point in the book, like I introduce D, we use, we use D, but then I supplement like a lot at that point in the year. Sure. Um, I'm, I, I, um, I teach like, low e low f sharp like Mm -hmm. i I try not to deal with the the octave key register key and i try to just like get them to keep playing and building a sound and using like you know using the the those those lower notes and you know like something they do like struggle with once we do our complete like concert b flat scale right where we go d e f sharp g Mm -hmm. and then i ask them to go lower and they can't what are they missing 
Okay, so as they're going down in toward the bottom of the staff, yeah. I'm glad you asked because these are things that we even still deal with even in eighth grade. You know, there's still mm-hmm. kids that have trouble with their lower notes. So a common misconception is that they should drop their jaw. And okay. that's something that kids will do sometimes on their own anyway. But I've even heard teachers tell them to drop their jaw. What that does is that lowers the pitch. And it also doesn't allow them to get a good tone. Um, and, at, and that's at the expense of getting the note. So like they may get it, but it's not going to be nice. So the best thing to do as we go lower is to keep our jaw firm. Mm-hmm. But to drop our tongue in our mouth is if we had a giant orange behind our teeth okay. and create a lot of space with a low tongue. So I always say for my eighth graders, the more fingers you have on the horn, the lower your tongue should be. And that's okay. ca- the case for the upper octave or the lower octave of the instrument. So as they're going lower, you want to blow warm air. Think about that big space in your mouth like you like you're just have an orange stuck in there <laughs> mm-hmm. and yep. um, and it's pushing your tongue down but your jaw is firm that's okay. the key okay cool what do you tell them that's good. Uh, I tell them uh, warm slow air I tell them uh, yeah pretend you have you're balancing like a hard-boiled egg on the back of your throat and they go yeah. ew and then <laughs> I don't eat eggs or I'm vegan and I'm like Duh, just open your mouth <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know and uh, and um, so yeah, that's 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 what I say. You know, warm, slow air. You're fogging up a window, yes. that kind of thing. Yeah. Yes. So, so um, yeah. one of the things also while we're talking about like issues that kids run into, something you're gonna you may run into is that kids are not getting a nice sound out of their instrument, and that often has to do with their embouchure. Um, in addition to keeping that jaw firm and keeping the tongue low, sometimes kids end up. Let me get my saxophone back. Hold on. Sometimes kids don't like to follow your rule of keep your bottom lip over your teeth. So here's what they have to do. Here's what kids end up doing is they end up doing a pouting embouchure. Oh, yeah. Where they have their lip out. So if you see that they're pouting, they're not supporting the reed with their jaw. They're Uh supporting the reed only with their lip, which is way less efficient than supporting the the reed with your whole jaw. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we want to have that bottom lip cushioning the bottom teeth. That's going to get a different sound. It's this. Versus. It's even going to affect the pitch. It's going to affect the tone. And both of those uh, can easily be remedied by simply Mm. just, you know, adjusting that embouchure. Yeah. That's good. Um, Do you want to know how how to find out how much mouthpiece you should really put in your mouth? Okay. Okay, this is not for day one. <laughs> okay, <laughs> got it. All right, so you can get a post-it or a little like thin piece of paper. Mm-hmm. So the way that you find out how much mouthpiece to put in, and I do this with all my eighth graders, and they're always very astonished. Most of the time, they're not putting enough mouthpiece in their mouth. Mm. And that's probably because they've been told, saxophone is too loud, saxophone mm. phones, too Back loud, off, too loud. You know. So they end up, yeah, what they do totally. end up doing is instead of using the air to make themselves quieter, they just put less mouthpiece in. So they end up playing on the tip, tip, tippy top of the reed. So here's what we do. First, you take a piece of paper, and if it is a post-it, hold the sticky part. Don't put that inside. We're gotcha. going to put this, the paper between the mouthpiece and the reed. We're not, we're not going to shove it in there. We're just kind of like figure out where does the paper stop. That's where the mouthpiece and the reed break away from each other. Neat. So that's basically where we want our teeth, but obviously we're not putting our teeth on the mouthpiece. So what I have them do next is I have them mark where the paper is on Uh their mouthpiece, on their reed. 
So just make Can a you center line. it by the microphone just so we got it? Okay. Oh, there oh, we go. Oh, sorry. Okay. Um, I put the I make a little mark on the reed right where the paper goes. Take mm-hmm. the paper out. What we're going to do next is we're going to... This is really weird to do backwards. Turn here. Mm-hmm. So what we're going to do next is we're going to take our thumb, nail, and we're going to put it mm-hmm. on the line. And then without moving the thumb on the reed, we're going to just roll it back. Then okay. I'm going to put the mouthpiece into my mouth like I am going to play. All right. And I'm going to put my lip up to where my thumb is. That's uh-huh. going to make sure that my teeth are right above where the mouthpiece and the reed break away from each other. That's uh-huh. the optimal placement for the mouthpiece. You have enough mouthpiece in your mouth that you're going to get a good vibration from the reed, uh-huh. but you're not going to have too much so that you can't control the sound. But I would not uh-huh. do that with beginners. <laughs> I said this. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I said this to Jeff earlier. I was like, oh, man. About you know about our clarinet episode, I was like, my my saxophonists are not going to know what hit them this week. So uh. <laughs> you can do this That's certainly good. with first year players. I wouldn't do it in the first week. No, 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 no. Okay, um, gotcha. Yeah, but usually um, kids put too little mouthpiece in their mouth. That rarely do I have a kid coming in because if they put too much, they just honk and squeak. Sure. And it's pretty yeah. obvious. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, little hands. I know we talked about thumb position on yeah. the right hand mm-hmm. um can we talk thumb position on the left hand just sure. to make sure we've, we're not dealing with side keys because we deal with them a lot what usually happens when you have kids who are hitting the sign the palm keys it's because their thumb is too far over the thumb rest okay they should only have really the the enough of their thumb on the thumb rest so that they can just sort of pivot and hit pivot pivot um they can pivot and hit the octave key mm-hmm. that's all they need oftentimes you have kids that are like this if you're on youtube you can see you have kids that are overlapping the thumb rest that's causing the palm keys to be way too close to the hand and they're hitting those now if okay. your kids are putting their thumb correctly here and they're his, they're just slightly overlapping the thumb rest and they're still hitting those palm keys you can have them sort of slide back but then it's going to cause problems when they have to use the octave key. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Then they're not so, going to be able to reach it. Yeah. Ideally, you know, if you're looking, if you're doing like an instrument petting zoo and you have a kid with like abnormally small hands, you might want to like, you know, steer them away from the saxophone. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, we're talking about what is going to set them up for success. And if they're going to not be able to get good sounds and be frustrated with their left hand for the first year or two of it, you know, they're not going to want to continue. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I suppose Please. they could slide it over on the thumb rest, though, to answer your question, at least to get the lower notes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, also, make sure that they're up high enough. Um, they shouldn't be playing. This is so hard to do. Yeah. <laughs> they shouldn't be playing up like this, mm-hmm. but they also shouldn't be down like this. So they right. want to have a nice, you know, relaxed um, way of holding the saxophone here, slightly diagonally. Again, not up like this. But definitely not down like this either. Yeah. So somewhere in between. So anyway, if our listeners have any questions um, or they want any clarifications, they can reach out on social media or they can email me at eric at dunno.net, E-R-I-K at D-O-N-O-U-G-H dot net. And if you want any of Jen's tips and tricks, you can email her at jenwisemusic at gmail.com. Yeah. So easy to spell. I'm jealous. Uh Oh, I know. One N and Jen, though. Not a two N, Jen. Oh, good to know. Um, good to so, know. yeah. 
And uh, yeah, Gen Wise Music on Facebook and Instagram. You can find me there too. All right. Well, Eric, thank you for all of your insights because I think that's really going to help our our uh, our first year players. Like uh, just to have that that clarity and those those good images of where everything should be and lining up and you know yep. that's that's great. So um, so yeah, thanks thanks for sharing all of that. Um, and to our listeners, uh, definitely continue to tune in as we show you the rest of the woodwind uh, instruments and what to do in the first day. And um, if you love what we do, <laughs> uh, give us a rating and a review. Um, and and uh, please, please uh, subscribe to our podcast and, and uh, continue listening as we as we go through this series. Thanks, Jen. Yeah. Thanks for your questions. Right. And it was fun okay. to uh, teach some beginner saxophone. I don't do that anymore. So yeah fun that's it all right let's get out there and make some great saxophone music so (laughs) all right thanks eric